He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one, the only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here every week, as I always am, with the delicious, optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Hey, Alex, what's up? Hey, everyone. Hey. Having a good, having a good morning? I am. I am. I'm having a very good morning. But what's on your mind today, Sir Anthony? Let's get tipsy. Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. This morning, I woke up thinking about gifts and the proverbial gift table, if you will. Now, while online gifting is becoming more and more mainstream, bringing a gift to a wedding, birthday, and other celebrations of life passages is still commonplace. So yes, including a gift table is indeed appropriate and recommended, even, even if the invitation includes a note not to bring gifts, because you know, people normally do, some do, even when you tell them not to. In any case, the gift table should be decorated in keeping with the look and feel of the chosen event decor with signage optimal, excuse me, with signage optional, depending on any request not to bring gifts. It is also my recommendation that the table be placed inside the event room rather than in an adjacent foyer or if necessary, moved into the main room following guest movements at the end of a reception, for example, for safekeeping. And lastly, if logistics require or budget allows, consider providing a gift table attendant who accepts and notates gifts to help in the sending of more intentional thank you notes. That's what's on my mind today, gift tables. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! Tell us, who do we have today? Oh, I'm super excited. So, um, while working as a Judaic art teacher and director for 18 years, she was asked one day to make the room pretty for a synagogue fund fundraiser. And uh, she quickly made a name for herself within the community as the bar and bat mitzvah queen and has been creating and orchestrating events in San Diego for over 28 years. She is a kindred spirit to us, Anthony. She holds degrees in photography and art education and has an extensive background in theater, lighting, and design. And she truly enjoys sharing her knowledge about event planning through speaking engagements and through her membership in several industry associations. In fact, since 2005, she has been the featured annual speaker at the International Special Event Convention. As she loves to put it, love is in the details, 
Please welcome my longtime and dear friend and owner of Mitzvah Event Productions and Charming Expressions and one of the founding members and president of BESA, the incredible, inexhaustible Lydia Krasner. <laughs> well, hi there, Lydia. Hi, everybody. It How is so you? nice to have you back. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful, sunny end of January day, so we're feeling pretty delightful this morning. How about you? Yes. Heck yes. It's beautiful out here. There's no snow. It's gorgeous outside. I need to go get my 10 minutes of sun. Yes, at least 10 minutes. <laughs> so we like to start this, this broadcast, as we do every week, with a little fun and a little activity to help the audience know you a bit better. Okay. So if you don't mind, I'd like to start with what we call 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions? Yay! Alex is going to watch the clock. You'll have two minutes, Lydia. Just two minutes to answer 10 questions. The first thing that oh, comes no. to your mind, are you ready? Yes. It is not life and death, I promise you. But question <laughs> but. number one. <laughs> but. 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 <laughs> Number one, do you believe in miracles? Oh, yes. Quite definitely, I do. Amen. What do you love most about what you do? I love the joy of coming up with the look and putting those puzzle pieces together and then seeing it all come to life on the day of the event is my greatest joy. And when was the last time you tried something new? Mm. Every party is something new. Last Saturday, we had a boba station for the first time. Oh. The week before, we had a brand new swing booth that oh. I had created. And it was a photo op, but kids can sit on the, or adults too, can sit on the swing. It held up to, I think, 600 pounds. So you could, it was pretty wide, about four feet wide. You can have three or four people on it. It was decorated. The whole the whole booth was wrapped with um, paneling that looked like roses. We had a custom dance floor underneath. So it had the exact same branding and miniature of the wrapped dance floor that was in front of the band. It was spectacular. And people loved taking pictures on it. They loved swinging on it. They loved everything about it. It was just really unique and different. Wow. Oh. I love that idea. I want one yeah. for my porch. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Mm. Creativity. Mm, I think so too. I think so. And what is the most memorable live event, concert, show, or festival you've ever experienced? that I've created or one that I've been to, one that I've been to. Yep, one that you've been to. I have to say Elton John in Las Vegas. The video mapping was spectacular. And I, my husband was smart enough to get us tickets on the side where his hands were. And I wouldn't have thought of that, but he wanted to make sure that we were able to see his hands, not just his face over the piano. And that was brilliant. And it was such an intimate experience. Wow. I, I loved it. Um, as I also saw him at Petco Park a couple months ago, and it Me was too. a very different experience being in a stadium versus being in a more intimate theater setting. So yes, that was fantastic. I also saw I also saw um, blanking 
Sorry. We have to come back to it. We're almost out. We're running out of time. Okay. I, liked, I did that yesterday. I blanked. Okay. If Mickey Mouse weren't famous, if Mickey Mouse weren't famous, would you have him over to your house for dinner? <laughs> um, sure. My cats would have a great time playing with him. <laughs> What's that? What's that song? You can come, but you can never leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> California. Good old Olivia Krasner. Right? There you go. What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? Saying yes. Oh. I say okay. yes, probably too much, <laughs> and I wear myself out. Well, I, I hope really you. Do. Uh, I just don't take enough time for myself, and that's something that I have. I have to practice is taking that time for me. Everything sounds like it's going to be so much fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah? Which do you prefer? <laughs> well, if you the really loaded want question. to know. That's yes, we do. Question. Okay. Bar mitzvahs means that they are inviting the entire soccer team or the entire basketball team or the entire baseball team. And those boys think they're too cool for school. So definitely bat mitzvah because the girls will dance together. The boys will not. And if they're too uchi about inviting any girls, then you've got a bunch of boys bending their forks in half and making nasty concoctions out of Tabasco and lemonade and making each other drink it. And then somebody throws up on the dance floor and guess who has to clean it up. So or or set or or yeah. setting fires in the temple has as I have witnessed in my life. <laughs> I think definitely uh, bat mitzvahs because the girls at that age really want to hang out together. They love all of the, I, I love the themes. You know, this year's color is Viva Magenta. So that's going to be really hot with trends. And so seeing those girls doing those pink parties are really fun. What is the difference between Viva Magenta and Magenta? Uh, ask Pantone. They came okay. up with Viva Magenta. So that's just their way of, I guess, making it sound exciting for 2023. Or Latin for 2023. Uh, could you live with a ghost? It depends on if the ghost is kind. I think that I would have to get to know the ghost. It freaks me out a little bit, but if I got to know the ghost and the ghost had good intentions, I would deal with it if I had to. Okay, and what did you want to be growing up? <laughs> um, gosh, I don't even know. I, I, I went to SCPA, the San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts, and I sang and danced my way through high school and junior high. And it was just so much about being in the theater or being in a show or being in an art room or being in a dark room. I spent a lot of time in a dark room. I have a degree in photography too. And I just wanted to do something creative and something where I was giving some kind of service back to the community that was going to be um, creative in a sense that it was going to allow me to be creative, but also to provide that service to people. This was a complete accident, how I do what I do. I went to school for art because I knew I couldn't make it in the theater. And I wanted to do something that was just going to make the world a little more beautiful. Beautiful, and you do, you yes. do that. Yes, you do. Lastly, what is your favorite charming expression? <laughs> Love is in the details, for sure. <laughs> sure is. And you definitely bring the love with every event that you do. It's not just a job, it's not even just a career for you. 
it is a labor of love. It's a and lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Yeah. For those of you who have never done it, uh, it is a lifestyle when you're working 10 to 14 hours a day yes. for many days straight uh, for the just for the purpose of getting one single event up. Uh, well, tell me about your clients and what you enjoy most about working with the people you choose to work with. I love executing their ideas and making them come to life. I love when they come to me and some of them say, I, I don't have a theme. And, you know, if no theme Sally walks in, that's okay. What's your favorite color? Let's figure that out so that we can get a look and a budget together that works with your taste. And um, I think the coolest thing is when the client shows up at the party and they're all dressed, they're so beautiful. You know, they spend so much time with the glam squad and they come in with their kids and it's that ooh ah when they first walk in the room, that's what their guests are gonna feel. But for the client who knows all of the secrets and they walk in and they're still awed by the room, that's joy right there. I bet it is. Wow. But I, I love working with the kids. Um, you know, the kids don't have that vision necessarily, the global vision for the full experience. And I usually want the kids to make decisions on things like the kids buffet and maybe the activities for their friends to do. Obviously, mom is going to be the one who's making the final decisions or dad or whoever, whoever, grandparents, whoever's paying the bill. Um, but it's really fun when a lot of these people haven't been to a bar bat mitzvah since their own. A lot of them are maybe converted or maybe not Jewish and they don't really know about these kinds of things. And it's fun to show them themes that I've done, books, pictures, website, whatever, so that they can be inspired. And I always say, I don't want you to say, I want that party. I want you to say, I like this chair. I like that color. I like that flower because we're going to create something that is personal to you and something that reflects your family. Um, one time I did a bat mitzvah for a young lady who had been through some pretty serious medical issues and she was in the hospital for months and she ended up having a sinus infection that went to her brain. Mm. She had to have brain surgery. And so while she was in the hospital, her mom brought her some beads to play with and she was making bracelets and whatever. She started selling them to the nurses. Then she started a, a website and it became such a big, important part of her giving back that we did a bead theme for her bat mitzvah. Her mom comes to me and says, oh, we don't have a theme. And it was the second one I had done for them. And I said, uh, yeah, you do. After I heard your story, of course you do. So we had beads and vases with the floral coming out of it. And we had, we had beads everywhere. And those beads were then a mitzvah project. They were donated back to Children's Hospital so other kids can have something to do while they're stuck in a hospital bed for however long. And it was the most beautiful theme that was so meaningful to them. It wouldn't mean the same to anybody else. No, right. no. That's, that's really incredible, Lydia. I'm, I'm, I have goosebumps. It was amazing. Yeah. And it was one of my favorite parties. It wasn't super fancy, but it was just the most meaningful mm -hmm. um, experience. And then she had a lot of press because she was interviewed and got the Channel 10 News Award and all this other stuff. And so I made a big board with all of her articles and her press to show other people that she's getting accolades for all of this. And it was just amazing to be able to share 
her experience with a lot of family that didn't really know what went on. And, and let's just, let's just say what it is. You took what would normally be a fabulous party and you made it personal and mm-hmm. meaningful. Yes. And in doing that, you really, you, you show your, your professionalism, but you also keep from producing the same party or trying to give people the same party, which in that specific part of the industry doesn't work. You can't, you can't, can't if I did the same party, if I did the same party every week, I wouldn't be in business. You know what I like too, is that you're, you weren't afraid to go there. Some people might have been afraid to go there thinking, well, no, maybe it's going to get maudlin or maybe it's a reminder and we just want to celebrate. But you went there and uh, brought a lot of beauty to that girl's situation and uh, helped to highlight her making lemonade out of those lemons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does a successful event look like to you? Happy clients. Mm. They're having a good time. The most expensive party isn't the most wonderful party. It's about the feeling that people get when they come in the room. You know, you're you're smelling the food, you're feeling the beat of the music, you're you're hearing the music. There's there's just so much for people to feel and see and hear the fabrics the linens, um, tasting the food, sipping the drinks, touching the furniture. I feel like the most successful party is for people to come into a different environment. And there's a purpose for this. There's a celebration. That's why you raise that kid up in the chair because they're being raised above the community that day because of their accomplishments. And you end with the sweetness of the desserts, the donuts, the Viennese table, whatever the desserts are. I feel like I can't even go to a wedding myself without tasting the cake. It's bad luck. You've got to have something sweet. And I feel like the success of these parties is those happy families and beautiful photos, because I always tell people don't skimp on photography and video. Once you spend all that money and spend a year or two planning it, that's all you have left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's all you have left. Absolutely. that day is a cloud. Anybody who's gotten married or had a big function like this, you know it goes by so fast. You never get an opportunity to talk to everybody in the room and have those conversations that you really want to have. And it's so important for you to do the, the video and have the photography so that you can have those memories because they fade. So I agree with you 100%. I really do that. My biggest regret at my wedding was not having a videographer. And I was the one who didn't want one. And as soon as it was done, you know, and, and for some people, it could be the last time, the last memory with a cherished family member. So for me, it was with my dad, you know, and with my godfather. And I think it's important to be able to have that, to be able to go back to that memory and go, look, you know, um, Bubby was there and look at her dancing and, you know, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that it's it it's good to, I think, guide your clients into having something they don't think they want, but you know mm-hmm. they do. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people don't see. You know, they think, I have people call me and say, well, I've got a good DJ and I've got a venue. What do I need you for? 
And there's, there's no okay. That's more. right. Okay. I get that. I get that all the time. And once I have a conversation with them about all the puzzle pieces that go into creating an event like that, they feel like it's just such an overwhelming. And most of these people work these days. A lot of women, a lot of women work and they don't just have the time to do it. But even if they have the time, they don't have the resources. And when they hear about doing timelines and menus and place cards and signage and it just it, it's so overwhelming i think the biggest task for a lot of these moms is when they're planning their party they're also doing a montage i'd say 85 percent of my events do a video playback montage just choosing the pictures of your most mm -hmm. beautiful precious child i know how hard that is i have twins i had to do no I want to ask, did you do it for, um, I, did you have help with the, with the I twins? Did. You did. I did. I mean, so my, that it was 10 years ago. My twins are now 23. It was something that I had been thinking about, obviously, since they were probably three. And my staff gave me the greatest gift, which is that gift that I give to my clients to be able to be emotionally present at your party. And look beautiful, take pictures, eat the food, have those conversations with your aunts and uncles and cousins and friends that travel from so far away, because you can't be fussing over alphabetizing place cards and Aunt Susie doesn't want to sit with Aunt Robin and Aunt Shirley is uh, in a wheelchair and she doesn't fit at the table. Like whatever it is, there are issues that happen. And I want, I had the most amazing experience because my husband knows that I'm the one sitting there staring at the dirty glass on the belly bar over in the corner saying, when are they going to pick up that glass? Because I hate dirty dishes in front of me. And my staff was amazing. They did the most incredible job. Of course I planned it. And my kids planned it along with me. And I think the coolest thing was I told my husband every detail over a couple of years but he walked in and he's like, no way, is this our party? <laughs> and I also did a really unique theme. You know, having a boy and a girl, I've done a lot of, it's called a B'nai Mitzvah, when there are multiple and there are male and female or all male. If it's all women, it's called a B'nai Mitzvah, for plural. But um, I chose a theme and I presented it to my kids and I said, I'm going to give you time to sit on this. If you come up with something better, let me know. But this is something I've been wanting to do all these years. And we did an ice cream parlor theme. Mm. And so I had linens created that looked like, you know, round table. But when you open up a new Neapolitan or Spumoni ice cream with the three stripes, that's what the linens looked like. And when I was young, an ice cream parlor, I'm from Ohio, an ice cream parlor was just a happy place for me. And I feel like that, except, you know, lactose intolerance in my adult life. Um, my, oh. my kids really were excited about it because it's appealing to boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And it was something different. And for me, you know, I, how many times have we done Tropical and Mardi Gras and all the same themes? It was so exciting to do something new and to be able to create custom things to make this dream of my own come to life. And I think everybody thought I was going to have like dancing bears in the New York Philharmonic, but I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really a sappy person. And 
something that Alex, you probably don't even know. We, you get your date about three years prior to your event Mm -hmm. and we got our date in September and the date was November 17th for three years later. My father had been ill for a long time and he passed away on our date that year. And so I went to the rabbi and I said, am I supposed to change it? Because now this is my dad's yard site. Mm -hmm. And he said, nope, you don't change it. And we didn't even realize when we picked the date, we picked the Torah portion and you don't always get to do that. But I was friendly with the um, director at the synagogue and she let me choose the Torah portion that spoke to us. And it was about passing the Torah to the generations, which you physically do at a bar mitzvah mm-hmm. service. The grandparents yes. pass it to the parents and the parents pass it to the child. And there's just something really special about that. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even realize that it was about twins. It was about Jacob and Esau. We didn't realize that. And then, oh, hey, how cool is that? We've got twins and we're having this bar bene mitzvah. And so on that day, my son was pre- presented with my father's prayer shawl, Talit, and it was really cool because we sat in the front row. It was, it was our turn, finally, to sit in the front row in those first two seats as the parents, and I saw this beautiful light stream in from through the, through the stained glass windows, and I said to my husband, that's my father. He's here today. Oh. And of course, my speech was honored, uh, honored him as well. Um, when my son was young, he was two, three, I'd give him a balloon, I'd tie it around his wrist, both of my kids, because we always were going to the balloon place to see one of my vendors. And he would just yank it off and let it go. But he'd stare up until he couldn't see it anymore. And it was, I realized I had to celebrate that it was a science experiment for him. And he just could not hang on to a balloon. And so in my speech, I said, today, we understand you. And you can let that balloon go up to heaven and Papa Ron will be there to catch it. Hmm. So it was really special. And one of the most amazing things, talking about that montage, um, I have a colleague named Cheryl, who you all know, friend Mm -hmm. of mine. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was going home to see my dad in Ohio for two or three years, once a month for a weekend or a week or four days, whatever. And she said, you know what, if your dad's too ill, it's really important that you videotape his sentiments. And I took my video camera because back then we didn't really have um, too much good video with phones. And it took me four or five trips before I could actually ask him. And then another, maybe two or three trips before he could actually do it. And I saved that video in my safe for two years and he was on our montage giving his blessings and sentiments to the kids and that was really amazing to see his face hard definitely hard for my stepmom too hard for all of us but really incredible that we felt his presence there mm-hmm. that's really beautiful Lydia thank you for so, sharing that now, it's name because are so much about family and that that's the type of thing that I want to learn from my clients and help them to represent their family in a way that's going to be meaningful to them. Mm. I, I may have said it before on this broadcast, but that is for me what makes the mitzvah so, so special. 
the family involvement in the ceremony, the passing of the torch, the physical patch passing of the of the of the Torah, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to witness because in at least in my religion, Catholic religion, you're you are you you receive a uh uh oh my gosh, I just blanked on the word. Uh communion and then a confirmation mm-hmm. at which both the parents do not participate whatsoever. They sit in the audience and they watch. And uh for me, the the Jewish uh tradition, the the mitzvah tradition of having the family involved really does strengthen that family unit. Because everyone has to be involved in the ceremony, which means time together to go through it, making sure that everybody is there, that everybody's participating. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. And, and also getting everybody together in one room that you know, not everybody can be there. And you you know, a lot, a lot of times um, there are memorial candles and people are gone, but it's so important to get everybody together for a good experience and a celebration because if you're only getting together for funerals, that's that's right. not the only life cycle that you that you should be celebrating. Right. Well, well and also f- from a very um, practical point of view, it's really the passing down of of the religious uh, devotion and values. Mm-hmm. You're really passing them down. I, I remember as a kid, my father didn't go to church with us. My mother took us to church and already there's an issue there because the entire family isn't devoted to that process. Uh, in the Jewish religion, it's passed down that way. And so it's it's a way for the religion to live on, honestly, that makes good sense. Uh, if we could involve the family more in other religions, I think it would help those religions. Nonetheless, that's not what we're talking about. I just wanted to make a personal <laughs> comment. I want to ask you about gifts because we I did give a tip today about a gift table. How do you handle gifts when you are in charge of an event? I always have a gift receptacle that matches the theme and we always have signage. Um, I like to have a roll of tape with a person standing there sometimes because oftentimes people bring a gift and a card separately and they don't realize they need to be attached because by time the bride and groom or the bar mitzvah kid opens the gift, they may not remember, realize what went with what. Right. So, and then we empty that gift receptacle quite often because a lot of events are in public places like hotels. We move the gift table into the room out of, out of the foyer once the cocktail hour is over. But prior to that, about every 15 minutes during the cocktail hour, one of my staff will empty the gift receptacle to keep those gifts safe because most of them are gift cards and checks for Mm -hmm. bar and bat mitzvahs they don't tend to get a lot of physical gifts and sometimes they'll get you know a little tiffany bracelet or something like that but for the most part they're gift cards so there are a lot of cards and i actually had bags printed up with my logo on them so when i empty the gift receptacle the client has a nice bag to take all their leftover holla and leftover candy and gifts and their the kids pair of shoes that ended up on on the corner of the dance floor and all their goodies because i used to run around going where are the boxes somebody threw out all of our boxes 
And I wanted to give the clients some, some way to get all of their things home. So I bring a couple of those bags with me and they come in very handy to be able at the end of the night to hand people all of their personal items so that they don't have to sit there and say, oh, we have to go collect all these things and somebody left a sweater and somebody lost mm -hmm. their phone and whatever. So anything that is personal items are wrapped up in a nice, neat bag and they get to take it home and go relax. That's, and that's really taking care of business. Yes, it really is. Yes. That's awesome. Now you not said everybody brings a gift too. You know, sometimes they'll send it to the house. Right. So that sometimes there aren't a lot, but there always are a lot of cards and we have to take good care of them because we don't know every person that walks by the party. Now you said receptacle and not table. What do you, what do you mean by receptacle? What are you <laughs> planning for? This? I have so many gift receptacles. Um, I have a loose site box that has a reservoir in the bottom so I can fill it with colored rocks or um, little squishy soccer balls or whatever the, whatever the theme is or rose petals. Um, I have bird cages in three different colors. I have um, one time I did a motocross theme and I asked the dad to give me a gas can, a new one. And then when I cut a hole in it, oh my gosh, I use it now. And I said, well, what did you think? So <laughs> <laughs> At the top, it was really cool with the hose hanging out. Um, and I put stickers all over it that went with whatever the vendors were for motocross. I didn't know anything about motocross. And I've learned so much about a lot of different sports that I'm unfamiliar with just from these kids' interests. Mm -hmm. So whatever the theme is, like I did a cheer theme one time and I got one of those, what's it called? You know, the thing where, you, you know, they yell megaphone. out. The megaphone, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I, I cut a hole in that too. It was a vertical hole and I trimmed it and it said gifts. And it was really cool because you put your card in the megaphone. So I really tried to do something creative for, wow. for sports themes. I have a huge blue locker, like an actual locker. And I have a sign that says locker room. And, you know, depending on the sport, I come up with something creative as often as possible. But the gift giving is important, yes? Oh, yes. And you're right to say that even if you say no gifts, if it's the 50th birthday or whatever, people are going to bring gifts. And, you know, my mother taught me never go empty handed. So I will, go. Always, I will always bring a gift. This reminds me. Oh, thank you for this, Anthony, because it reminds me of something. Which means it's considered a curse to give an empty wallet. So it's never give an empty wallet right. because it's a curse and the receiver of the empty wallet will end up in financial ruin. Now, the reason this is important, and I love that we're talking about this, Lydia, about the, you know, you're getting mostly cards and stuff, is that we talked about my, I don't know if you remember, Anthony, we talked about my nephew Nicholas's 18th name day celebration, right? And what a mm -hmm. big deal it is. So his mom, Madison, the non-Greek, had special wallets made up with Nicholas's name and the date of the event, and she wanted to give it back to all the guests. Um, she thought that since everybody was giving Nicholas money, this would be a cute thank you. So she placed these wallets at everybody's seat. Um, but this is funny. She, well, it's not funny. She forgot to put a coin in each wallet. So now the guests entered the hall and found their seats, right? Pretty soon we start hearing these 
and screams of despair. <laughs> and the guests started looking inside their wallets, found that there was no coin. They charged the gift table to take back their money envelopes so they would at least have something. But luckily, um, Yaya quickly ushered everybody out of the hall, pulled out her bag of coins from her purse, filled each wallet with a penny, called everyone back into the ballroom, told them not to sit in the same chair, and she reversed the curse. There it is. There it is. Don't you ever. Be prepared. You got to be prepared. Never. Yeah, those gifts are important, but don't give an empty wallet. Never, never, never do that. Ever, ever. <laughs> so, so, Lydia, what's different now? then before covid what what kinds of things are you doing now what's different from your clients perspectives what what are some of the things that have happened since covid that you're dealing with uh more gratitude for sure i think mm. i'm grateful for work and i think people are grateful for gatherings because we were the first um industry to go because we're mm -hmm. based on gatherings and the last one to come back um during covid and even last year, I, after Omicron, for sure, I had a lot of clients who were doing um, PCR testing at the door. And that's a pain, but it made uh. people feel safe. Um, for me, wearing a mask throughout an entire day of work was so hard because I do so much running um, personally. But I think um, we've made adjustments to make it work. Things like the candy buffet, for charming expressions, all the candy is wrapped. So nobody is sticking their hands into a jar, which they weren't anyway, unless you had a little kid, we always had scoops and tongs, but inevitably you have a kid that may have touched a piece of candy or sneezed or whatever, and we throw the whole jar out. It's much easier to just do all wrapped candy and then people feel safer about mm -hmm. taking their little fun size candy and putting it in a bag. Um, did, you are, did you have to turn anybody away? When you were doing the PCR testing, did Thank anybody know? No. Can you imagine if you were the one that ended up with COVID and, oh, sorry, you got to go home. Uh, thank God nobody tested positive because I have a lot of clients who are doctors and I, I did several events where they set up a whole row of nurses and they had all the tests and one of them said, oh, we'll go into the cocktail hour outside and then we'll let you know. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Why bother? Yeah. So, um, you know, and then they would get a bracelet. So if you had your concert bracelet in the right color, then everybody knew you were, you were okay. Mm -hmm. I think everybody was so scared, but there still needs to be a celebration of some sort for these accomplishments. Yes. And now, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Now I'm feeling that get, people who are calling me are not concerned about COVID anymore. And thank goodness for that, because people were timid. I had a lot of postponements. Um, some of them would pass on the contract to the next child because the first one ended up just having six friends over. They played basketball and ate cake. And that was the end of it. And so now it's we're beyond that. And everybody is really hungry to have a party. And they're grateful to celebrate with their family and friends. Do you think there'll be any backlash later on for those kids that didn't get a real celebration? I mean, this is a life. I this hope they a get a nice 16th life. birthday or a nice 18th, like graduation from high school. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to celebrate and it doesn't just have to be a life cycle event like that. It can be something as simple as passing your driver's test or, you know, you, 
you hope that those kids don't feel like they were short in the, in the short based on their siblings mm -hmm. and what their experiences were. I do know a lot of kids that missed out on things like their prom and high school um, experiences and yes. even their first even their first year of college. You know, mm -hmm. first year of college is awkward anyway, but if you do it online, you're not meeting anybody and you're missing out on living in the dorms and having that social life. So there are so many, so many important aspects of having in-person events and in-person mm -hmm. experiences. I, I, how do you stay, especially after COVID, especially when we were all so separated, how do you stay so relevant with 13 year olds? I guess I spend a lot of time with them. So, <laughs> and I always meet with the child. That's one of the first meetings I do. I want to know, you know, and there's a lot of moms who have their own ideas, but I really try to connect with the <laughs> child and I let them know I am, I am accessible to you. I want you to email me. If you're on Pinterest, Pinterest is the devil, but if you're on Pinterest and you see an idea, send it to me. I want this to be about you. And a lot of kids, I met with someone the other day and the mom was very like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the the kid really didn't say much. And so I pulled her aside and I said, this is for you. I want you to tell me what you want. I want to make sure that you're okay with this theme that your mom is telling me that you want. I want to hear from you. What experiences have you had at other people's bar and bat mitzvahs? If it's a cousin or a friend, have you been? What did you like? What did you not like? And if it was my party, I don't care if you didn't like anything. That was what that client wanted that day. This is about you. And I feel like connecting with the kids and trying to stay up with the trends. It's funny how many kids I see making TikToks at parties. I can't get into that one yet, but it's, it's fun to give them a place to go and do that and accept that that's what they're doing. And it's not taking away from the party. Have you had any backlash from parents when you pull the kids aside? Mm -hmm. Has that um, ever resulted negatively for you? No, no. Um, most parents realize that I have the ability to connect with the kids. And I've had a lot of kids come back to me and I always say to them, if you want to do something special for your parents, let me know. And mm. I had one, one young lady who told me that it was around the, her parents' anniversary. And I said, what was their, find out what their song was at their wedding. And we had the DJ call them up and played their wedding song and they they did a little slow dance and it was mm. so cute. And sometimes they'll say, well, I want to give my mom some flowers because she worked so hard. And that's the kind of thing I just, I want to help the kids. They don't have money. They don't have a car. So I want to help them to feel like mom isn't just planning my party. Cause I have had, I have had parties where the mom plans the whole thing and they don't let me meet with the kid. And the kid is not really the kind of person that wants to have a party. And I did have one young man who probably had a lot of social anxiety. He wouldn't even be in the room. He took off and ran all over the hotel. And the photographer and I said, we just couldn't believe that this mom put the kid through this because it's not his wheelhouse. She had the party for herself. And yes, the child deserves to be celebrated, but it should have been in a fashion that was more acceptable to this kid. And we kept saying the DJ was wonderful. It was RJ. And I kept mm -hmm. saying, what song do you like? What do you want to play a game? Let's go talk to RJ. And 
let's tell him what you want to do. And when we got him in the room, he literally went behind the buffet and hid like a four-year-old. And I felt so badly for the child. You know, he was, yes. it was just, it was hard. And so I always really try to make sure they feel like they're heard and the party's going to be fun for them. And I say, what kind of food does your, do your friends like? I always say, when you go to a mall, anything from a mall that you bring to a party is they've done the research for me. You go to the mall <laughs> and you get hot pretzels, hot cocoa, hot cookies, bring that to the party milkshakes. Heck yeah. Bring it on. And I always try to get the kids excited about those things. When you go to the mall and your mom lets you go hang out with your friends and see a movie, what do you get to eat? That's what we want to bring to the party is what you have fun with, with your friends. So, so no backlash from parents, but you're still negotiating this. I have to believe with the parent once mm -hmm. you get this information. Yes. I would imagine that most parents are accepting of this information and glad that you're giving it to them because it's perhaps not so easy to get it themselves. Yes. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Yes. And I mean, ultimately they're paying for it and it has to be something that we can execute that's going to be within their budget. And maybe a milkshake station is out of their price range, but that doesn't mean that we can't do a tray past milkshake shot during the cocktail hour and still represent what that young person would like to see at their party. Nice. So you're talking about things that in my experience are not necessarily uh, things that you can bring in to a venue, uh, food and beverage, namely. So I, I have to imagine you work very closely with the venues you work with. I do. To, to maybe think outside of the proverbial box to do yes. things like milkshake stations and so forth. Talk well, about that, would you? Yes. Um, I actually um, developed a milkshake station with Sensational Treats. And ah. most venues allow sensational treats to come in and, you know, they make a multitude of um, mm -hmm. fun desserts. But I sent Sherry a picture from a restaurant called Sugar Factory. It's downtown. There's one in Las Vegas. I think it's owned by somebody. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's owned by somebody famous. And it's they make these ridiculous milkshakes that have licorice and suckers and cupcakes and candy and crazy straws and just it's like a crazy sunday bar but in a milkshake and the glasses are dipped in chocolate and they have all kinds of sprinkles and there's just about everything popping out of them and mm. i said can we develop this i did a coachella theme and they wanted something fun and it goes really well with their donut station so mm -hmm. they developed it and they actually recently told me that they have just done a tremendous business with it. So a hotel will not necessarily do something that elaborate. And so they will allow it in. A milkshake shot can be done by a hotel or a country club or a caterer. And that's not mm. a problem. But something like specialty desserts or a specialty sushi station, oftentimes it's not a problem to bring it into a hotel. It's just they have to meet their food and beverage minimum and they have to yes. uh, get the bulk of their food from the hotel. Now, um, question about registries for bar and bat mitzvahs. I hear that's a thing now, is it? I have not heard of that. Where do they register? Bath and Body Works? Toy stores. 
Exporting uh, goods. I've never heard of that. Really? <laughs> Amazon. Microsoft. Amazon. Tesla. Uh, I, <laughs> Tesla. There you go. Oh, come on. Think big. Yes. Tesla. Um, if you could ask your clients, well, I'm, I'm, I'll move on unless you have something you'd like to say about. No, I was going to say it's not, it's not about the gift. And most adults, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, will give things in denominations of 18. And it's usually money. 18. Mm -hmm. So in the, the Hebrew language, each letter correlates to a number. And the word chai, we've all heard lachayim, um, those letters correlate to the number 18. And so people will do things in denominations of 18, like 1836, whatnot. And so a lot of times people will write a check in those amounts. Ooh, 62, 94. I, think, I mean, all of that. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's or, why I wanted a bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> Never had I one. See a lot Dang of it. a lot of thirty. Me either. A lot of thirty-six, you know, for gifts for bar and bat mitzvah kids because thirty-six dollars is a a reasonable amount and it's double high, so you should have double life, and that's a number that you see pretty often. So, how does work-life balance look to you? <laughs> Luckily, my husband is okay with not being super social on the weekends, because if I work on a Saturday, 14, 16 hours by Sunday, I'm tired. Yeah. So um, it's fun to have a weekend off. It's fun to go on a trip for a couple of days. Um, but he knows that if we go to Las Vegas, I want to go to all the hotels because I want to just walk through. It's such a party. I get so much inspiration. Um, but as far as work-life balance, I do my best. Thank goodness I was able to stay home and raise my kids and be able to pick them up from school and drive them to baseball and dance class. I may have been on the phone because I was working on a party. Um, my daughter now graduated from college. She's back home. She works, but she also works for me on Saturdays. So now it's the two of us that are gone on Saturdays. And that's actually really fun. She's definitely a multitasker and great at uh, helping. But um, my husband's been very patient. He calls himself my uh, uh, warehouse manager because he loads my car <laughs> and unloads my car. And sometimes That's that doesn't even nice. happen until Monday morning, but it happens. And uh, I think we have a really good work-life balance. He has pretty straight nine to five hours, nine to six. And I work from home and I get a lot done and do my appointments. I meet at hotels. Um, it's funny when I drive up, all the valet guys know me. Hello, Mrs. Krasner. How are you? <laughs> so I get my car washed often. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I, I think that it's worked. I've been doing this a long time. And my husband gets really excited when I send him pictures from the party and show him after everything I've talked about all week, look at what happens, look at how it came together. And there's always funny stories. Every party has its own flavor. And after every event, I have to reflect back and see um, what I could have done differently or what we could have done better next time. Even if I've worked that same theme a hundred times or been to that same ballroom or hotel 50 times, there's always, there's always something. And I, I love what I do so much that I couldn't do anything else. It's a passion. Mm. 
it it comes through yeah absolutely the passion that you have for events and all that you do in your work it really does come through you you inspire you inspire us mm-hmm. you're sweet thank you well i remember spending a a, a a special event with you and feeling that joy and effervescence just having spent some time with you there uh i think so that's I, the only time we actually have dinner is when we're in florida or wherever right. we're at. <laughs> right. So, well, you know, you don't have any Saturdays free. What can I say? I'm good on a Tuesday. You know, there you go. Well, it's time that we get to the nitty gritty. These are what we call our Bellotified Five. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. Five questions we'd like to ask you to end the broadcast. And we'll start with the first question. What is your golden rule? My golden rule is treat people like you want to be treated. And that will get you through absolutely everything. What is one of the daily habits you have you strongly believe contributes to your success? Something you do daily. I have to take time to step back and really, really take it all in. Um, Taking my dog for a walk, just, just taking that time for myself, because I, as I said before, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a tough thing. And, Mm -hmm. and being organized, Mm -hmm. you know what, being organized is so important and I'm constantly organizing a party or my kitchen or whatever it is. And I feel like sometimes I just really need to like take that step back and take a breather. And when you do, do you disconnect completely? Do you take a walk with your dog without your cell phone? I have my phone, but I listen to music and I try not to answer the phone. Good. Yes. Good. And just getting out, just getting out and getting some fresh air because if, if I'm working, I'm in my office or I'm in a hotel or a synagogue or wherever I am. It's it's typically not outside, although we did many outdoor events during COVID. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the only place you could do them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and going back to the golden rule, I'm sorry, I just have to go back to that a second. Um, I think, you know, as far as treating people like you want to be treated, it, it, it speaks to I work best with clients when they allow me the freedom to be creative there's always that client that would hire that hire me or hire any of us and then try to tell us how to do what we do. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm the same way with my vendors. I, you know what you're doing. This is your specialty. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me how the best way to set that up is mm-hmm. for you. So it's going to make the best flow of the party. And I, sorry, I had to go back to that one. <laughs> no, and uh, we, we applaud that. Oh, yeah. We yes, applaud that w- so. way of thinking uh, because uh, there have been times when I have felt useless mm-hmm. to a client because all of my suggestions go un, un- uh, ignored, if you will. They go ignored. And uh, I, I sit back and think, well, I feel like I'm just being completely ineffective here. So what is my purpose? Oh, that- yeah. There's times where I feel like people just hire me because they want me to stand there and, and tell them they're doing a good job. Mm. You're paying me quite a bit to do that. So. Yes. And I, don't, and I don't know that I can tell you you are. That's the problem. 
Right. Uh, right. What is the one change you'd like to see in the industry? One change you'd like to see in the industry? Appreciation. A lot of times clients think of us as the help. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like people need to really realize how hard we work and how much time, you know, I tell people that when they hire me, they're going to get 40 or 50 hours of my time. It's probably 80. I'm sure it is. I live for each event and I, I go to bed thinking about it and I'm on the phone talking about it. And I, you know, I put my heart into everything I do. And sometimes there isn't as much appreciation. Mm -hmm. And I guess people just think that like little magic elves come in and put all that together while they're getting their hair done. So that's all. And most of the time I do get that, but there are a handful of people that um just think it's all it's all magic and yes i love that they think it's magic and we make it look like magic but they they sometimes just blow it off and think that it's not that big of a deal and it's a huge deal because we all put our hearts into what we do mm. Mm. so what is the one thing you tell yourself when no one is listening you're only as good as your last event Wow, you put a lot of pressure on yourself, Lydia Krasner, don't you? <laughs> you know, I, I'm looking to create excitement and fulfill someone's vision. And I think, how can I give them everything they want? When, when the music stops and everyone goes home, I want them to have that feeling of inner peace, that they had a beautiful event for their family and friends, and they feel fulfilled mm -hmm. and overjoyed and they feel that it was worth it. Mm -hmm. And that should definitely spill over into the next day or a couple of days or be present for the week, if you will, following that, that sort of afterglow of having, you know, done an event or had a celebration that went so well and people are just calling and calling and calling yes. and telling you what a fantastic time they had, best party ever, whatever it is, right? That afterglow should last. And, yes. and most of them do, you know, I follow up with them. I always send a handwritten thank you note, which I know most people don't um, get into handwritten notes, but I always send a handwritten thank you note. And I feel like it's a big responsibility that I have, but also such an honor that they've chosen me to be responsible for putting up this life cycle event. And it only happens once. Mm -hmm. You only have one bar mitzvah unless you, unless you turn 83. Did you know that? Life no, I didn't see is 70. So when you turn 83, you're supposed to have another bar mitzvah. Oh, well, what there's a there's a cottage market there. There's just that, waiting to happen. There is an wow. market. I know when my father in law turned 83, I begged him to do it and he wouldn't do it. But I feel like they even if they don't read Torah, if it's too hard for them just to get up on the Bema and have a blessing and have some kind of small celebration with the family. I mean, that's an excuse to get all the grandkids together, right? Yes. So, so now, that's a beautiful thing. A lot of planners won't even touch uh, private events, uh, personal events like bar mitzvahs, weddings, because of the emotion that surrounds these events. But you just go in like 
guns ablaze and you are ready to handle whatever comes your way. I was going to say balls to the walls, but yeah, you know, I have I to think ask you because I get it. I, I was raised very religious. We, my grandparents were Orthodox. My parents were conservative and I was raised as a total synagogue brat. My dad ran, dad ran the bingo program. My mom ran the, the glorified rummage sale. And I was a synagogue brat. And we moved to California when I was nine, when my parents divorced. My mom didn't join a synagogue at all. So I had all of this in me. And when I was 19, I decided I'm missing out. I didn't get a bat mitzvah and I didn't plan on having one, but I just wanted to learn Hebrew. So when I went to services, I could actually sing along and understand because I had those tunes in my head. I knew a lot of it, but I didn't really learn because girls weren't allowed to have bat mitzvahs back then. Mm -hmm. Just started in the 70s. I would have had one in 1980, but, and my cousin did. I have a cousin who's 15 days older than me. I was never so jealous in my life. Mm -hmm. She had Wayne Foster, they had a big party. How come I didn't get that? Right. You know? So, so bat mitzvahs are more commonplace today than they were in the 70s? Yes, girls just started having bat mitzvahs in the 70s. And it was, it was still kind of a new thing. You know, it was for the reformed. It wasn't necessarily for the conservative and it still isn't for the Orthodox. The Orthodox have, they're not, the girls are not allowed to read from the Torah. They just have a holobake or they get up and do what's called a Devar Torah, which is basically a speech written about the Torah portion of that week. And they're not actually reading from the Torah. So they have a different kind of bar bat mitzvah or bat mitzvah, sorry. Uh, bar mitzvahs, you know, have been around for forever, but it's, it was still, it was still new. And I just, I just felt like I was missing out. So I joined a synagogue myself when I was in college, I took Hebrew, I learned Hebrew in nine weeks. And I said, okay, what's next? I was wow. trying to drink it all in. And then I went on to this B'nai Mitzvah class with a group of 11 adults. I studied for two years and I did it actually because my dad had never been to San Diego to see me. And I had lived here since I was nine and I was 21 when I had my bat mitzvah. Oh, and he came, I hope. Nope. And no, nope. oh, that's, nope. we'll save that for another podcast. That's another story. I went home, I went to Ohio, but he and my mom had a lot of conflict and he just didn't want to participate. Uh, he did come for my wedding and we had, we had a beautiful relationship. But um, when I was younger, he just, it, it was, it was tough for him. And my goal was to pull family together and yes. that took a little bit longer. Yes. So, you know, um, things just don't always go the way you plan them. I mean, that's just right. how life works. Right. And so you're in this part of the industry, you're dealing with events where emotions are high. What happens when something doesn't go as planned and you find yourself face to face with a client who is not happy uh, over something? How do you handle it? You know, I have to try to remind them to look at the big picture. And, you know, everybody's healthy. Your son did a beautiful job. There, there are things that that have happened and. I'd say 99% of my clients are happy um, because they realize in the end that they couldn't do the amount of work that we did. Mm -hmm. They couldn't do it alone. And it's just about talking them down. Yes, you're right. Emotions are high and there are things tragic that, that do happen. And 
for something like running out of vodka, let me go to valet and get my car. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of people that say I anticipate the issues before they ever happen and squash them. So they don't become a problem. You know, when you've got 80, 13 year olds in a ballroom, Skittles become projectiles. And there are all kinds of crazy things that can happen. I bring along staff for kid patrol, glorified yes. babysitters. Yes. That's not my job. But guess what? It's going to make my life a lot easier if I have somebody, the DJ's not going to scold the kids if they're misbehaving. We want to keep all the kids in the room. We want to keep them being respectful to the family and to the bar mitzvah boy or bat mitzvah girl so that their experience isn't ruined by teenage drama. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I can imagine that is a, a heavy lift on those days. Uh, keeping people in the ballroom, keeping the party focused. Uh, that is not easy. You know, and the guess- flow. keeping we, the flow, right. Keeping the flow. And you know, there's challenges. There are people that maybe grew up in Israel or, you know, I've had clients that just don't understand that when you have a kid from the Jewish Academy that goes to bar mitzvah every weekend by March or April, that behavior is terrible because since August, They've been through the circuit. And so they're not impressed with anything. Right. And when a client, right. a client will say to me, well, I have a good DJ and a photo booth. I'm good. And they don't want anything else. And I remind them that, you know, are you sure? Because kids have the attention span of a flea. <laughs> I don't want them getting into trouble, especially if it's at a synagogue, because they can go running around the campus and causing issues. Yes. Well, what about issues that might occur at a hotel or a venue? Uh, things get broken, uh, you know, rooms are destroyed. Uh, have you have you ever had to deal with that? And and how difficult is it to get a parent to understand that it's really their responsibility and not yours? As yes. I would imagine, some would say, "Well, Lydia, why didn't you stop that?" I can't be everywhere. I don't have eyes in the back of my head, and they sign the contracts with the vendors directly. I don't. So I don't sign the contract with the hotel. I don't sign the contract with the DJ. I'm the facilitator of the contract. I hand it off to them. They take responsibility. If I, if they have a magician that gets in a car accident and doesn't show up, I have a clause in my contract that says I'm not responsible just because I said somebody's good doesn't mean that they responsible, right? That they're going to not have an emergency. Thank goodness. I mean, I have to say, I'm knocking on some wood here. In 28 years, I personally have never not been at a party that I said I was going to be at. I've never had to be in the hospital. Even the day after my father's funeral, I got on an airplane at 6 a.m. and flew home and did a party the next day. And I didn't want to. That was really hard. But it was a very detailed event that... I had to leave when it was the week of the bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, and I couldn't just tell somebody, here's what you need to do. I do have multiple events on weekends, but I do a tremendous amount of prep work if I'm handing that event off to one of my helpers. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that because I was dealing with my father's funeral and my family in Ohio. And so I got on a plane and I flew back the next day and I was up for about 24 hours and it was really really hard Mm. so that's kind of where that gratitude comes in because i i guess the client knew what i went through and didn't 
really even acknowledge the fact that I showed up. Wow. So it was a long time ago, but it's just one of those things where, you know, they say thank you, but they don't really realize what I went through that day to be there for them. I have one more question on this subject. Have you ever met with a client and right off the bat thought to yourself, oh, this is going to be really difficult? Oh, yes. I've said no. I was going to ask. So you have said no. Oh, yes. Uh, I have. So I, it was funny. I met with a, I met with a client one time who was recommended by somebody else and she really wanted to work with me. And the first thing she did was scold me because we parked at a, an Einstein and it was $2 for parking. And I, I didn't know what to say that she was upset that I didn't call her in advance and tell her. And I said, well, they accept credit cards. If you don't have cash, you could have parked on the street. If you saw that there was an arm that you had to take a ticket. And she also was wanting to break a lot of rules. She was having her event at a synagogue and she was telling me how we were going to be hanging XYZ from the chandeliers. And I think it was ballet shoes and that I was going to be doing that. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I, that's not okay. The synagogue doesn't allow it. And we're going to put this and that up on the walls. No, you can do gobos and things that aren't intrusive to the, to the tufting on the walls. They're not going to allow you to do that. And she was like, no, this is what we're going to do. And I called the executive director of the synagogue who I, I know a lot of people. Sure. And I called her and I said, tell me about this person. Is this, is this an event that I should skip? And she said, run fast. And I did. And then the client had the nerve after the party, when she did all these illegal things to call me and say, oh, well, here's pictures of my party. Do you want to buy this decor? And I wanted you to see that we had got away with it. And I just said to her, you know what? I, I, I called her and I said, I have to step back after meeting with you. Um, I feel like it's not going to be a good fit for me. And she said, oh, I was just going to call you and hire you. And I said, gosh, I'm so sorry, but I, I can't be available for you. And I'm really glad I did because she didn't care about the rules. And my relationship with that synagogue goes on right. a lot longer than my relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to um, risk my integrity over somebody who wants to break the rules. Well, so, just respect and, it, you know, disrespect yeah. the synagogue. And a lot of what I do is education. I educate my clients on what's the norm, what's trend, what's appropriate. And I want them to feel like they, they are getting an education and, and making good decisions on how they're spending their money and how they're treating their vendors. Right. Last question then. What is your why, Lydia? Why, 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 why? Why, why, <laughs> why do I do this? Yes. Oh, I love it so much. Um, I was originally going to be an art teacher. When I graduated from college, there was no credential program for art because it all got pulled from funding schools, all the funding. Mm -hmm. And I had to do something that was creative. I was, I was teaching still, I was teaching art, but I was working at Nordstrom. I was putting on fashion shows at Nordstrom. I was trying to do something creative, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to make a living. And this was all an accident. I was teaching at a synagogue. My father-in-law's best friend came to me. I was teaching art 
and he said, hey, we want you to make the rim pretty, like Alex said. And then from there on, it just kind of exponentially grew. And I realized there is a service that needs to be provided. There are so many wedding planners, but where are the bar mitzvah planners? These people, 45-year-old parents, have not planned anything like this since their own wedding. And most of them had help from their parents. So they didn't have a clue. And it's, it's just providing that service to help them to really be able to enjoy their own event. Mm -hmm. And that satisfaction of them coming back saying, I was a guest at my party. I really enjoyed it. I didn't have to worry about a thing. That's why. I, I honestly feel that you could write a curriculum yeah. on, on bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah production uh, and planning and teach it. Uh, and I know we know we haven't even touched on on the other events that you do. You don't just do bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, uh, but that is a, a specialty that really does require the kind of hands-on commitment that you offer your clients. And so uh, I'd love to see you take that step and and write a curriculum because it's needed. Uh, the the uh, details that you take care of uh, far exceeds what most people think is necessary. You you've just got the knowledge; it's all there in your noggin. And uh, wow, it'd be great if you could share that. It's definitely an art. I would like to do that. I've talked about writing a book. I want to write the Bar Mitzvah Diaries because I have some pretty scary stories. I love that. But I probably have to do it after I retire because maybe nobody will nobody will hire me if I tell everybody's secrets. You know, I become part of the family. I deal with a lot of family issues, parents that are divorced. I've had to have high security, plain clothes security for the spouse so that they don't do something crazy. I've had to have a lot of situations where, you know, I, I want people to be able to relax and, and enjoy themselves. But that's why I love teaching at the special event. Um, there are a lot of catering managers that aren't equipped with the information, but they have that bar bat mitzvah clientele. I want them to walk into a meeting and feel like they now know how to address these uh, kosher dietary laws and rituals and the hala and all of those things that you that you do it was really funny. One time Cheryl and I were teaching at the special event. I think we were in Dallas. And for our talk, we wanted to do the blessing over the bread, the mozi, and have a hala so everybody could have a piece and actually try it. So we found a bakery and we were all proud of ourselves because we we got the hala and it was delivered to the hotel. It was a wreath. It was literally a round wreath. It looked like a Christmas wreath, and we laughed so hard was it holla it was actual holla but, but it, it was in the shape of a wreath it was in the shape of a wreath so you know sometimes you just deal with <laughs> how wrong <kiddie>. is that <laughs> it was so funny but you know you you never know what you're gonna get and there's human error involved in everyday life and when we're putting on these parties, we do our best to follow up multiple times and make sure everybody knows where to go, what to do, what to bring, how much power they need, what their table requirements, trash cans, whatever it is. But sometimes funny things happen and I cannot wait to put that in the book. 
Yes, I hope you'll ask me for some stories because I don't know that you know that I cut my teeth on bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs early in the in the <laughs> mid eighties. That's what we did. And you did so, were you a DJ? No, I was a Xanadu performer, a dancer. Roller and, skate? Uh, not roller skates. God help me. Uh, but <laughs> we were a, a company, a, a performance company called Xanadu. With in in New York, there was something called La Masquerade, very similar concept these big heads and huge costumes and then dance numbers. Uh, so plenty of bar and bat mitzvah, mostly bar mitzvah when I was cutting mm -hmm. my teeth in this industry and um, lots of stories that would make you pull your hair out. How fun. I love yes. that. See, we need so, to have dinner. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Lydia Krasner, thank you so much for joining us today and for uh, talking about what it is you do and you do it with such passion and exuberance. Uh, thank you. Thank you for representing so well thank our you. industry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. And I appreciate you guys. We love you. Love you too. Hey, thank you for listening to Volatified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast. Volatified is a production of Bolada Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolada. Stay engaging. <laughs>